Hello everyone, my name is David and I've seen no movies, but with me are some people who have. Fraser. Hello. Finn. Hey, how you doing? I'm Finn. Jack. I am the single most competent individual here and that is saying something. I set all this up, be quiet. Hope everyone's doing good. This is episode, well it's the second Quentin Tarantino movie we're covering. It's Pulp Fiction. So, just a heads up before we start. Uh, there is violence of a sexual nature in this movie, as well, which we will be talking about, as well as violence, which we will also be talking about. A lot of racial slurs, we won't be talking about them or saying them. Well, so we'll talk, We will talk about them. <laughs> we might talk about them. We won't We're say not them. Say them. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll probably put in a timestamp at the time to go, we're about to talk about this bit. Skip to... Now, I'll put that in. Anyway, Pulp Fiction, guys. Um, I think rather than doing a, a strict, we'll go vaguely linearly, but, you know, rather than doing that, I'll, I'll help us stick to the guidelines, but just have a good chat. Okay, we may as well start at the start, even if we're not going linearly necessarily, because okay, that's the start. Yeah, exactly. So we start in a diner, and it's um, it's actually a sequel to Reservoir Dogs, clearly, because Tim Roth is there. I mean, Tim Roth is great as ever. Yeah, he's, he's a Roth's weird... Just... So he's here with his girlfriend, doing a weird British accent. It's a good British accent, but it felt weird to me. I don't know why. I mean, isn't he British? Yeah. Yeah, he is. Oh, I think he is. Is from from the UK, man. I'm a real dumb, 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 dumb. He's a UK resident. Um, It felt very much like a reference to Reservoir Dogs, this introduction scene with Tim Roth and his girlfriend sitting there at a diner, having breakfast, talking, because obviously Reservoir Dogs starts In a diner as well. Yeah, a diner scene. Uh, and I yeah. think this is a bit of a hallmark of Tarantino movies, maybe. I think, well, it's certainly, because Pulp Fiction, obviously, it's sort of named after, like, the genre of, like, you know, Pulp Fiction and sort of those sort of stories that are a bit sort of a bit trashy and they sort of used in newspapers, but everyone Mushed kind of up. loves them. As and well. I think Reservoir Dogs kind of fits into that, With too. very snappy dialogue. That was also part yeah. of the Yes, very much so. Uh, also, just to point out, this waitress in this scene also plays a waitress in Jackie Brown. Huh. Didn't know yeah, that. little waitress, know that. waitress trivia. <laughs> I know that. I know that Tim Roth only agreed to do the part if uh, Amanda Plummer, who plays the girlfriend in it, would be the other yeah. one. So we don't know. I don't know that. We don't know their actual names yet. They go by. She's Yolanda, though, isn't she? Well, actually, in in the script, she's just called so. Young Woman. No, not the waitress. Oh no, that, oh, that that's the waitress. What the? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> honey bun, right? Or Yolanda? Bun. Is that correct? Yeah, and honey bunny. To, What's the other one called? Pumpkin. Pumpkin. Uh, uh, or do we find his name? I don't think you do. Tim Roth. <laughs> Tim Roth. No, 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 no. Um, I, I, I was right. In 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 the script, Yolanda or the the woman is called that Amanda Plummer is. She's literally just called Young Woman in the script. They don't actually oh, give either Tim Roth or her character any names. Okay, they're doing the dark <laughs> names. They're nicknames. They're not. Well, not Yolanda. Presumably. Yeah. It'd be weird I mean, if that it was a nickname. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my nickname's Yolanda. My, my birth name's Honey Bunny. Yeah, my, my nickname's uh, Derek. Um... They're chatting about how they find it hard to rob banks because sometimes the tellers don't speak English. And I was thinking, when President Trump met uh, Shinzo Abe and Shinzo Abe's wife, he sat next to Shinzo Abe, his wife, um, and he said after... 
she spoke no English, but she was very polite. She smiled and nods. She definitely speaks English, and she definitely pretended not to speak English so that she'd <laughs> have that. to talk to or Trump. Or simply just didn't speak to him. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's what these tellers are doing. I don't know. I feel like Tim Roth is a much more bearable human being, even as a bank well, yes. robber, is much more bearable. Than Donald Trump. You'd rather, you'd rather be robbed and have your wallet stolen by Tim Roth than have to than speak to Donald bleach. Trump for I 10 mean, minutes. I would. <laughs> I'd rather inject bleach. Tim Roth as pumpkin, smash or pass? Smash. P- smashing smash. pumpkins. Hard smash. Very smash. Jack? Jack's not answering. I, opinion. I, do, I do quite like smashing pumpkins. There we go. Yeah, there we go. smash. Uh, <laughs> we don't agree on much. But what we do agree on is universal. It's important. Um, <laughs> they say, why does no one rob restaurants? And I'm like... Um, Probably because there's not that much money, but then I realised there probably is quite a lot of money, as they then point out in the movie. Uh, and indeed, they then proceed to um, very quickly just decide we're going to rob this restaurant, and they they jump up with a gun, and that's when it and it kind of it's a really lovely scene with a really nice dialogue between these two that just stops like that, right? Which is really which is quite cool. You get some some Dick Dale, Dick Dale film, Dick Dale. Who's that? Uh, it's the Mizaloo, the song that plays. Oh, right. Some lovely How's it go? That one. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the uh, excellent rendition. I've got, yeah. I've got the line here. Any of you fucking bitch move, moves and I'll execute you every motherfucking last one of you. That's the escalates from nothing to that. I mean, I have to say that's an incredibly clear instruction. Yeah, it and is quite it's clear. Very, very clear. I frequently and say concise. that uh, to my family when I'm sleeping. I'm like, I will hear you. So and just bam, <laughs> every motherfucking last one of you. Jesus, I mean, it's. I, I think the scene. I think the scene sets it up well. Oh, just to point out, as the credits go, yes, Jack, this one does actually have Samuel L. Jackson in it. Just in case you know, we're concerned, it might have Fuck off. Um, and then, so the, the credits roll, and we've got it's like you know, Samuel L. Jackson's in it, uh, that Scientologist one's in it, uh, John Travolta. <laughs> yeah, Scientologist. Bruce Willis is in it, and I was like, that's, that's the diehard guy. Quentin Tarantino is obviously listed in it. And then even worse, uh, uh, obviously Harvey Weinstein's name pops up. Because again, I think this was produced by Miramax. Again, when Harvey Weinstein was still in charge. It's like every time you see his name, you're just like... Uh, uh. Danny, Danny, isn't Danny DeVito a producer? Danny DeVito yeah, produced is, this movie. Is. Yep. And it's amazing. It's it's great. I, well, he's on He's on the poster and I think he kind of counteracts... The Harvey I was Weinstein about to say, name maybe it's like matter and antimatter, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Like I saw the Harvey Weinstein, and I was like, "Ooh, no!" And then I saw David DeVito, and then I saw DeVito's name. I was like, "David right DeVito, now. David DeVito, Danny DeVito." <laughs> All of us last time suggested it would be a good thing if Harvey Weinstein died of the coronavirus. So yeah, I'm I mean, not I'm, sure. I'm still, um... I'm still on, the, I'm still on the bandwagon that, um, that I do, I do hope that he continues to have the coronavirus for. I think he must be, must be okay now. An extended, an extended period. Maybe um, I wouldn't surprise me if he was patient zero. He wasn't in China. Wasn't at that wet market. But he's just so gross. You don't know what grows in him. He might. Oof. <laughs> oh, that's um, dark. Moving uh, on. That is <laughs> moving, layers. I think we have to move on now. So 
Okay, so getting on to it, now we can start going to the movie and spiralling off in whatever direction we get. We've got Samuel L. Jackson, John Travolta, driving in a car. John Travolta's hair is super gross and his earrings look too thick, in my opinion. Uh, I don't know why I noticed that. I don't, um, I don't think his hair looks gross. He's just... He's just a, you know, he's a hitman. He can do whatever the hell he wants with his hair. Or he'll shoot you in the head. Or he'll shoot you in the face. And... Well, I'm saying his hair looks gross. Come assassinate me, John Travolta, Scientologist. <laughs> Come press You're smack me. talk the Church of Scientology as well. You guys are a little bit creepy sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh... <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. They're here. <laughs> Tom Cruise's monotooth has come to take David away. <laughs> now, nah, remember, Tom Cruise is packing fudge. Oh. Hey, guys, sorry. Um, I just want to say how much I love the Church of Scientology. <laughs> I've been educated and yeah. informed that <laughs> I have harmful so opinions. <laughs> the fact that you know that reference makes me sad. That's Star Wars, right? Or is it actually a Scientology thing? <laughs> Don't know. I can't remember what the Scientology thing George Lucas is a Scientologist. Is he? No! They're talking about the different Burger King stuff, by the way. And one thing they don't mention is that you can get a Burger King with a sauna and a beer in Helsinki. I... Really? With a sauna? Yeah, if you watch the Paul Rudd episode... It's a Burger King with a sauna in it. If you watch the Paul Rudd episode of um, Travel Man... With Rich Daiwadi, which is all on you YouTube. They, you don't want a soggy, that. steamy burger. I mean, you don't really want the beer-smelling sauna the... that Paul Rudd pours onto the rocks because he wants to see what will happen. But, you know, it happened <laughs> anyway. But they're talking... I, I disagree with them here. So they, this conversation that the hitmen are having is about how they ha- basically have fast food burgers and fries differently in Europe, where John Travolta's been for an extended period of time versus the US. And they're talking about how it's gross that people have mayo on their chips. They are incorrect. Mayo on their chips is good. I will have to strongly disagree with you on that. Oh yeah, we're going to have a falling out over what you just said. Finn. I don't have mayo on my chip, but I've never tried it. There's, so there's only one acceptable condiment on on French fries right where I hail from, and that is salt. No ketchup. ketchup, depending on the person. Fre- okay, ketchup French- is like kind of person to person. French fries, but for me, it's just salt. are different from chips. But they're they're talking about French fries in the in the, the series. I so. view all potato fridables as so potatoes species is the same. As... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this cardo in was stolen during filming. It was Quentin Tarantino's, and they found it again in 2013. That's awesome. <laughs> Isn't that good? He's talking about how he doesn't watch television. So they get out of the car. They're, we don't know what they're doing, but they're clearly approaching somewhere to do something, like all characters in all movies. Um, like individuals. And, <laughs> um. and John Swartz says he doesn't watch Not TV. Anymore. You, you guys are going places to do things? Okay, fair enough. That's so <laughs> like yeah, before the end true. days. Yeah. But... In the before times. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to the local graveyard to have a jog. That's my level of going places to do things. I mean, that's a pretty clever way of be- making sure that you don't interact with other people. There are other people there, also riding bikes and jogging. Just having a, having a rave in the graveyard. Yeah, graveyard. Uh, that's what graveyard. we call it. Um, so anyway, they enter the apartments and they're chatting. Do we? We should probably talk about the the foot massage discussion they have. <laughs> About yeah, how the massage being as, like, as intimate you're gonna, as, uh, you're as, do as it. Yeah, so you want to lead this or should I lead it? 
I'm saying I'm rinsing my hands free of this one. Their technique they're talking about, it's it's I guess in theory would maybe work, but um. <laughs> The debate, is... the core debate, is it does a foot massage basically constitute an affair? I, I, I think. I think. I mean, debate. ultimately, I'd say it depends on the individuals, both the individual doing the foot massage and the one receiving the foot I massage. Mean, yes, that makes sense. I For would, example, are they a that. professional masseuse? Exactly. Are they a professional masseuse? <laughs> Were they hired to do this thing? Is the person being massaged get some kind of sexual pleasure from being massaged? And are they aware of such thing? Because maybe they haven't is had the one person before. Giving the, if there's, is the person giving the massage a foot fetishist? <laughs> All the other way around. Exactly. Exactly. Is the massage being given by hands or dildos? That's the question you've got to ask. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Um, they do at one point. So I don't know which one of them says it. They say something about eating out. I think it was something. I think it was to do with Jules basically saying, at least one of the characters saying that Giving a foot Fraser, massage please. is just as bad oh, as okay. eating a woman out. Okay. And it's just as intimate. I think that's what it was. I'd say it takes a certain kind of person to get the same pleasure from both of those acts. Yeah, old foot vagina uh, Veronica over there. You've got the same... <laughs> She's born with, with vaginas for feet. Oh, God. Her life is agony. Oh, oh um... no. <laughs> Track at school was really hard. <laughs> she spent a long time in the showers uh, afterwards. Stop! I'll, no, I'll stop. Even, no. So then they open the door to the apartment. They wait a few minutes. They're like fast. They're like on time exactly. And they open the door to this apartment. They go into. They knock on. And the guy opens. And it's it's the, a guy with a burger. And I was just like, oh wow, Nick Fury's here to recruit Burger Man. Also, oh, at oh this God. point, it's like it's like it's like ten in the morning. <laughs> it's seven twenty-two a.m. Bloody hell! Is it that early? I thought it was. That's like, that's yeah. the time it is. I've got it written down. Um, I thought it was a little bit later than that. Oh man! Yeah, I like the shot. They have shoot um, down the corridor. I also found that this time in this movie, I discovered that the word "fuck" is used two hundred and sixty-five times in this the movie. The appropriate number of times. Where does that put it on the list of the most uses of the F word in a movie? Cause I don't know. Because the top two places are Wolf of Wall Street and District 9. Do you want to just beat that by just saying fuck continuously for the next half the next an hour? Two, to run several out hours. Oh, God. This is not going to become a Hollywood movie. No, you don't it can get adapted. Yeah, I've got friends in very high the places. The tale of four individuals who want to break the record for the number of fucks had in a film... Yeah. <laughs> Via can podcast. they do it? We don't think they can do it. Is there a Guinness record for the for the most fucks given, where it's like you get an amount of time to, <laughs> to care about things? I can guarantee no, Jack no, no, that no, you no. definitely you just are going to win that record. Paper with fuck written on them, and you have to hand out as many as possible. That sounds like a taskmaster task. I was watching this during Passover, and they're eating burgers with buns, and I was, I, I honestly, I was not pleased. Were you even hungrier when the guy's head exploded? Uh, well, that's <laughs> later, but yes, I wanted to lick it all up. Um, what? I, I felt uh, iron deficient, and I thought this I is it. This line: Le- yeah. Leaver's body and remains cleaning surface. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I'm I'm the true Mr. Wolf. I've got an amazing Mr. Wolf fact for when we get to Mr. Wolf later. Oh my god! So Samuel Jackson says something here. That I've heard in other movies again, but it's not what you're going to think I'm going to say. I think he says, "Check out the big brain on Brett," and I've heard that line. Somewhere else. Do you know where? In a different thing. No. 
I assume See, it's a I reference. Thought, I thought you were going to lead with, he says motherfucker, like he says in all sorts of films. Probably heard it in a meme. But this scene's great. This scene's awesome. This is the scene where I stopped watching when you guys tried to show me Pulp Fiction. You said the bit where you said you um, were bored. It was, and I would I couldn't understand why I was bored. But having watched it properly what? as a movie this what? time, because I wanted to play video games. <laughs> this time, right, I found it both tense and funny because we I understood that they were hitmen this time, and understood what was happening. That's good. And they were, and now what I've got is these guys absolutely not treading on eggshells, and everyone else that's in the room uh, terrified. So, but basically, they've come here because these three the kind of techie guys aren't they i don't think they ever actually reveal what, what their was. business arrangement is all they know all they reveal is they screwed up <laughs> they screwed over Mar- marcellus who's then the 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 gang not the gang marcellus like Wallace, the, yeah. yeah they're the gangster basically the the kingpin he's like the mob hitmen, boss hitmen yeah. work for and they've come to you know kind of casually chat about burgers with these guys before uh, shooting shooting guy on the sofa and then killing two of the others, um, and recovering like a briefcase that's got something glowy in it that we never see. Don't forget Marvin. So they, Marvin well, no, well. we haven't got to Marvin yet, but they collect Phil Lamar from the apartment. Basically, what we'll see in this non-linear storytelling is later on in the apartment movie, just to spoil it if we're jumping around a bit, um, a guy comes out the bathroom. We don't see it right now. They kill him, and then they're like, why didn't you tell us to the last one that's alive that there was a guy in the bathroom? They take him with them, and while they're driving around, John Travolta turns to say, just talk to the guy, and the car goes over a bump, and Marvin's head just explodes from being shot. Spectacularly. It is great. Um, do, do they ever explain why they, 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 they're on the orders to kill everyone else there, but then they're just like, hey Marvin, you want to catch I think they can do whatever they want. The, I think that would give too much indication as to the contents of the suitcase. The, the the there is an an aspect of mystery to this entire plotline because also you forgot the person coming the, the, the person coming in from the bathroom pulls yes. a gun on them like that that's kind of an Ultimately, important detail if behave... they don't just come come in from the bathroom and go oh hey you killed my buddies bye no they they, they come in from the bathroom see what, uh, hear gun, hearing gunshots guess what's going on and they pull a revolver. So, just a little bit of an important detail. You might want to mention what happens it's, next. Before there. they kill these guys, uh, and no no one's replying because they're all nervous. Samuel Jackson does a line, another line that's I've heard before, famously, which is "English motherfucker, do you speak it?" Which I thought would be great as like a spelling bee instructor. And then Samuel Jackson, I think we have to talk about. This is why I've jumped back. We have to talk about the Bible quote. Samuel Jackson the quotes a Bible quote that starts "Path of the righteous man, furious anger." It. So yes, yeah, so it's half a real quote. Half a fake quote, but I'll let Fraser give the fact because Fraser wants to say it. <laughs> well, I was hoping for a better time, but if people who are, who are listening haven't seen Captain America 2 yet, um, there is a reference to Pulp Fiction, specifically the quote that we're about to talk about, which is what, which is the whole entire monologue that Jules gives, talking about the path of the righteous man. And in Captain America 2, that quote, the path of the righteous man, is written on Nick Fury's tombstone. Yes, which is played by Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel Jackson, yeah. Yeah, because Samuel Jackson's standing next to the tombstone, which is a bit of a giveaway that it's empty. It could have had someone else's body in it, you know. Why not? They they took a homeless man and they changed his dental record (laughs) and then then removed one of his eyes and killed him. Um, They had to find the same alien cat to remove the eye to make it authentic. That's Quentin Tarantino's cameo, actually. He's in the grave. (laughs) <laughs> um, 
It's a really good quote. It's a very good scene. He delivers it very well. It goes on for long enough that you feel uncomfortable. Good scenes get memes. It's very compelling. That, that, that scene, yeah, that scene has provided at least half a dozen different meme formats. It, it, it has. <laughs> my per- my personal favourite of which is the result of the um, the person coming from the bathroom and emptying the cylinder of their revolver into the wall next to them, not landing a single hit. Yes. And um, and uh, Samuel Jackson and John Travolta just looking at each other, looking down at themselves, seeing no bullet holes, casually looking back up, looking at each other a second time, and then just raising their guns and blowing yeah. away the guy that just missed every single shot. <laughs> also, fu- also, fun fact, the bullet holes are in the wall at the start of the scene. They, the, yes, they didn't check the that nobody was uh, checking continuity when they filmed the gunfire scenes before. So there, there are the six neat bullet holes in the wall before the scene even. God, begins. this movie's so unrealistic. To be fair, that, that <laughs> the whole point of that is it's ambiguous what happened, whether the person missed or whether they were saved by God. I thought it might have been blanks, or it could have been blanks exactly, like. Um, because I think there's later on, there's no squibs, well, later on, there's squibs. the whole section in which. Are you implying the mistake on the behalf of the person charged of continuity is uh, basically leaves the scene up to interpretation? I mean, I'd, I, I'd say so. It, it is, is now. now. Um, <laughs> it's not just lazy filmmaking. It's art. It's art. Um, <laughs> the song is supposed to sound. You should, bad. You should. You should really be a marketing director, Jack. Um, <laughs> some people would love that but basically yeah because it's later on there's a whole section in which he's he's had like an epiphany and thinks he's found God the first this is where the scene ends when they kill the guys now we get kind of the first story this movie's kind of divided into four stories and this was kind of the first one and now there's three more stories with like title cards and everything but I didn't know this so I was really confused I was like it's cool it's this part next story is called Vince Vega and Wallace's Wife or Marcel's wife, wife, whatever. Um, so this starts with Samuel Jackson and John Travolta walking in in weird... Oh, no, it starts with Bruce Willis from the movie Die Hard. Um, the mon- Before that film, he didn't exist. Well, to be fair, to be fair I'm just going to interject here for a minute. Born fair, in the movie some Die people, Hard. Some people would also probably know Bruce Willis from the TV show Moonlight. Which is what he did before. It's called, which was like a detective ape. Yeah, it was what he did before. Which actually was kind of like the grand start to his uh, career in Hollywood. That's how I kind of found out about him. Because my mom showed that to me first before Die Hard. Well, yeah. that's a good fact. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's lots of nice monologues in this movie. We're getting a monologue from Marcellus Wallace. We never see his face at this point. To Bruce Willis about basically asking Bruce Willis, who's clearly a boxer, to throw a fight. And it feels... This feels at this point to me a lot more, and it will start to feel less so later, but a lot more of like a traditional movie than Reservoir Dogs did, I felt. But as we get later on to the movie, it becomes yes. very different. And then... When you say a traditional um, movie, what, I was wondering, like, what do you mean? I don't know, just like a, a, a linear yeah. movie. I guess it is, it is, one, it is one of the only storylines that pretty much begins at the beginning. Um, with the only the only flashback, yeah. even then it doesn't. Yeah. Even then it Although doesn't. Although yeah, the get, last scene chronologically in the movie is Bruce Willis riding out on his chopper with yes. his girlfriend, and that is not the last scene no, in the movie. Not at all. Zed's um, dead. 
Samuel L. Jackson and John Travolta, they come in wearing weird clothes, which I thought was just their business casual clothes, but we'll discover later, after blowing Marvin's head up, that there's they a need purpose to change to clothes. Marvin has a lot of blood in his head. They're covered in bits of Phil Lamar. You're too much, arguably. Yes, they, they bought the dum-dums. The dum-dums? What? Uh, the bullets to make the heads explode? <laughs> Oh, I know what? I shouldn't. Hello? We'll get we'll you. Get we'll get you there. Uh, <laughs> I don't know the, what that means. I'm going to... Let's to make the heads explode. Go over there. It's... <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Who's already getting a nice interwoven story, like clearly Bruce Willis and Sepp Tangent. And as I've got a note, which I guess everyone else in the world knew about for Pulp Fiction, but of course I didn't. Um, even like there are tribes in Africa that haven't been contacted by Western civilization that know the plot of Pulp Fiction. Better than you do. Better than or at least I the did. concept. <laughs> yeah. There's like John Travolta and Bruce Willis have a little bit. Do they not square up, square off a little bit here? They kind of square each other up. It's more of a. I, I, I wouldn't it's call more, something be like. Yeah, ultimately. It's Bruce Willis would turn John Travolta into like, dust. Squaring up constitutes that you're yeah. preparing for a fight. These two guys are kind of sizing the other up. W- wouldn't be a fight. Well, the implication is that you take the money and you throw the fight, or you get beaten up anyway. So, yeah. I, again, as I've said, I really think John Travolta versus Bruce Willis wouldn't be a fight. Yeah, but he'd call in his, his Scientology goons. Or he'd sing him an epic song. <laughs> <laughs> More realistically, he's gonna he make him watch him. Battlefield or, 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 or he'd start, or like John Travolta would just start singing various songs. Yeah, from Greece he'd just be just really kind of. He'd just yeah. he'd just play or, a or seventeen-year-old in his. Or he'd start. Or if that <laughs> honestly, you guys work, are making me wish for that. Work to subdue his foe. Instead, he would then start cross-dressing and then start singing songs. Oh, he's so good in Hairspray. He's actually really fucking. Good. <laughs> yeah, like, he is. He is. <laughs> John Travolta, like he's a weird guy, but. He, Fuck man, he can sing, he can act, and and he can really dance with I Christopher know. Walken. What a guy! It's ironic because Christopher Walken is also Walken. in this movie. Christopher Dancing. Um, Charles Dance is actually very good at walking, but very bad at <laughs> very bad at dancing. Okay, the framing of this is actually so cool, though, isn't it? Because to me, what this felt like this shot is that it's not actually shot with intent. It just it felt much more than most things I watch like I'm just in a room with people as opposed to yeah, this is a movie, I'm watching someone film a movie. It, it's it's very emulant of that opening scene from Reservoir Dogs that I still that I that like I recall as being very immersive where it's like yeah. at least yeah, it's it's where like you feel like you're a part of that space sitting behind the people who are who are saying the yes, lines of dialogue. Yeah. It, it also demonstrates like the power. I, I do like the camera angle. When you see Marcellus Wallace you're seeing it from the back of his head in that scene. The, when he is actually yes. on screen, and it's kind of like, it's kind of the perspective you'd have if you're like his right yeah. hand man. It, it, it shows the how is, powerful the scene he is. is trying to put you on his side. It's trying to put you on his side of the conversation. Like he's being a reasonable guy here, isn't he? <laughs> uh, you're, you know, you're he's, you're behind Marcellus in this conversation. For a, for a, he, a he's just he's offering a big payout for this for this boxer that's a, a little bit past his time and hasn't really made it. You know, Marcellus is being a reasonable guy. I mean, this is just after the scene where you hear about him throwing a guy out of a four-story window. And Not even for giving a foot massage, it turns out. It wasn't even for that. It was just <laughs> yeah. apparently for so, no like, reason. Slight tonal shift in the presentation of Marcellus Wallace. You can tell he's a intimidating person, but he seems to be coming across quite reasonable in, the, in that scene. He is played by a guy called Ving Rhames, 
And Ving Rhames, I was obviously looking at his filmography, he played the secret agent in the first Lilo and Stitch movie, which is the best Disney franchise and that one of my amazing. favourite movies. And he's that guy. And I was like, yes! Absolutely yes! He's also known for being in Mission Impossible. Yeah, he's the, he's oh, the he's, hacker. Oh, he is a lot of Mission Impossible. As I've never seen oh, them. Oh, and another, and another connection to Marvel, he actually cameoed in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. So that scene was awesome. Then we get just a change to two women talking in depth about piercings. Not really my style. I, I found I, I, it's it's very bad. I, I, I grimaced when she was like, yeah, I got one on my clit. And I'm like, the pain! I don't even possess one of those and the pain! Yeah, that's going to be very hard. <laughs> I felt physical pain from this scene. I was writhing like in, in my spot when I, when I heard that. So, you know, we're not going to, I'm not going to kink shame here. <laughs> I'm not going to shame what people are into. What I do like though is this guy. So this is then a, uh, John Travolta's like drug dealer, and it's his house. And what I find amazing is when he's like, "Yeah, yeah, come into my, come into my office, come into my room." To John Travolta, this guy's room is so shit. It's like step into my shitty office. And then he's lying down on the bed like he wants him to paint him like a French so girl as well. That's, that's... Um, it's like a weird, it's like a weird heroin cocaine stock market. Uh, and this guy is really nice to everyone except his wife. He talks to John Travolta about, about cocaine being out out of fashion. Yeah, exactly. He's going to come back in. He talks to him in the same Buy low, way. sell high. My, friend, my high. friend down at the liquor store talks to me about like gin and rum and whiskey. I, I'm, glad, I'm glad that a dealer can talk in the same way. Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad you dealing, reco- yeah. you've recovered, Jack, from your spell with the cocaine heroin and now you're only on the gin rum. They're talking about what well, John Travolta is. John Travolta's carbon keyed at this point. Is that what happens? And they're talking about it, and he's like, "Yeah, people like that should just be executed." It was because someone keyed his car, which he yeah. loved very, very much, and he says that it's it's like akin to like killing someone you love very dearly. Uh, John Travolta then drives immediately, lights up in the guy's house. I guess he couldn't wait. Uh, then rides high with heroin. I was wondering if this is how he got got into Scientology. Um, and drove to Marcellus Wallace's wife's house, and she's that is Uma Thurman. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. It she doesn't work no. anymore. She, uh, no. It's not her house. It's it's Marcellus Wallace's house. Yeah, but you know, she spends most of her time uh, uh, doing something else. Is this the meme, guys? Is this the meme? What? The confused what? man yes. meme, where he like turns around, yes. like the voice. Yes, yes, yes this is. That's this where that comes from. Did you even realise no! it was John Travolta? This movie is the source of all oh memes. Oh my god. Oh, I didn't know. Jack, I saw it, guys, David, and my life changed. Scene, the, like, confused John Travolta scene is iconic. This is like a pop culture thing. Lordy, lordy. Yeah, and she's doing some coke. He's, He's done confused. some heroin. Can I He's just confused. say, the, before, before we get into more things, can I, I just say, like, two words about this whole, about this, like, this whole entire chapter of the movie as a whole. Uma Thurman. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> she's good. She's brilliant. She's she's awesome. She's she awesome in this. <laughs> she's indeed. My next note is she's Uma Thurman! Exclamation mark. Mm-hmm, uh, because mm-hmm. now they cut to the car for some great music, and they're driving driving on their kind of date, not date. Marcellus has asked um, John Travolta to take out his wife to, for a good time, dancing and stuff. What I like is she does a thing where she kind of 
talks about she calls it she's sort of like talking about squares and stuff in the sense of being a bit of a nerd or whatever i don't think that's vaguely what it means but she summons a square with her hand she like does a dotted line square in the air which appears that is the only time in this movie that happens so i can only conclude she, she has, has the in- magical power to summon she squares has- <laughs> that's what that's what heroin yeah it's a it's a power <laughs> see squares and remember, she's on a lot of cocaine Actually, at this point. Actually, my friends, my friends uh, did some... Uh, they were telling me about a time they did LSD fairly recently, and they told me that they were walking along and they just saw an inordinate number of triangles. So <laughs> maybe Collateral triangles? shapes are involved. I don't... I, I'm going to be honest. I don't know if they were in the fittest state to recognise what type of triangle. They didn't have a protractor on them. <laughs> to measure the, the floating uh, triangles. <laughs> Yeah. You need a protractor to tell if what you're looking at is an like isosceles or equilateral. To know, to know for imagine, sure, Jack. Imagine, to know for like, sure. imagine tripping on LSD just so you could confirm that that like could be what you're seeing is the right type of triangle. <laughs> oh, I need more LSD. I'm only seeing isosceles. <laughs> maybe, maybe we're actually we are living in a simulation now. When you take drugs, you can start seeing the polygons that make and, up or the anti-aliasing work. <laughs> <laughs> is that what t- that's what pollution t- trips, is trips on lsd oh god the anti-aliasing sucks <laughs> could you imagine tripping on lsd you're like guys i, I think i'm on like the oh, wrong the... graphical <laughs> i need to update my drivers guys uh... <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> i need i need to get a better graphics card take have you ever found LSD. somewhere in the world that's missing textures <laughs> They take her him on a date. They're going on a date to Jack Rabbit Slims, which is just like a, it's a slot car place. Which used to be they used to be massive in the US slot car places. Uh, it's like Scare Electrics for people that don't know, and they're not anymore. But they used to be huge, and I I would have loved this as a kid. Um, Jack can speak from personal, uh, maybe not slot cars are brilliant great. experience. Uh, <laughs> What I found amazing is John Travolta, they go into this place, it's shakes and burgers and whatever, everything's very kitsch, there's people dressed as, we'll get onto who's dressed as Buddy Holly, the waiter, but everyone, you know, there's like dressed as someone from like, from like, uh, like the famous people from like the 19, yeah, the golden age of cinema pretty much, like you're, you're, 50s um, and 60s, yeah, 50s and 60s, yeah, so you have like your Marilyn Monroe's, your, your, uh, your, your, your Elvis's, your Buddy Holly's, etc. Just to say, who play, who's playing Buddy Holly? Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi. From, yep. um, from Reservoir Dogs. Exclusively. So, John Travolta complains about a $5 for a shake is too much. He just spent $1,000 yeah, on heroin. heroin. does something slightly more than the shake. No, it doesn't. Also, Have you ever had a milkshake? He's, he's buying to sell as well. That's... Have you ever had a milkshake, guys? I don't think yes, you have. Yes, I have, yeah. I've That's had some really heroin. good milkshakes in my day. This is this is $5 in the 80s, but, so it's kind of like spending 20 I've never ever spent what the modern equivalent of $20 United States money on a milkshake ever in my life. <laughs> I've spent probably For six me, quid like, on I a milkshake. I think, like, if my memory serves me correctly, the most I've ever seen... That at least my like like I've been either I purchased a milkshake or my dad has purchased on my family's behalf for milkshake was like a dollar. A dollar. That's so exceptionally that cheap. Of... A dollar. Yeah. <laughs> six like sixty six pence. That's. I, I, at least I think if my memory serves me correctly. You can't buy a Freddo for that. <laughs> no. I, I McDonald's milkshakes exactly. are more expensive like, than that. Guys, this was like I haven't lived in the states for like six years, so my memory might be a bit. Oh, shady. in the states. Okay. Yeah, okay, in the states. Yeah. Because what say it's going to be like That's six, seven quid I'm, here. Otherwise, minimum. I'd give you. What about heroin? 
What's the pricing of heroin? $5 for heroin? I wouldn't know the pricing of heroin in the States. dollars for heroin? I vote. But in the UK. I feel like this is baby. Where you do know the price. <laughs> we, we said... Um, we said we would not be going over any slurs, but we would be just talking about them. There is no slur in the scene, but when they ask, uh, when they're asking like how they want the food, like for example, they ask if they like want the steak. They ask if they want it like burnt to hell or, or no, it's milkshake. Whatever. We're talking about. But when they get to the milkshake, yes. they don't they don't ask like which flavor you'd like. They I can't I'm trying to remember the exact comedian, names. It's two different they, they, they name two, two white comic guys duos, and two black yeah, guys. and one's a pair of white guys and one's a pair of black yeah, guys. Yeah. Basically, do you want vanilla or chocolate? <laughs> It's oh my like, god! Yeah, things you would not get away with no. outside of the time period in which they. Uh, no, yeah. honestly, it's it's. I don't know how acceptable it was at the time. It's be- it's probably much more acceptable at the time. Well, they're the imitating the fifties. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's part of the aesthetic. My God, Jesus There's, Christ! It's a great conversation. Mia was an actress, right, in some terrible sounding show. When she played someone called Raven McCoy. The show, after no, one I, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna interject here. The show that she was describing seems like a pair, seemed like Quentin Tarantino Charlie's parodying, yeah. yeah, the original Charlie's Angels TV show definitely. from back in the day. That's 100%. what Sonic was parodying of. It's called Fox Force Five. Oh yeah, I was definitely parodying Charlie's Angels. Like I mentioned earlier, Steve Buscemi being the wait, the waiter. D- does that mean? Is that like? Does he have a twin? Because. This this is a shared universe with reservoir dogs. The theory I read up on Jack was 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 that um, they're meant to be the same character. At least that's what some people theorize. He's killed. But yeah, and that's the point. Wait, is, no, Steve is that like it's, like it's never. No, he's the yeah, one he's that's ambiguous. ambiguous he's Mr. Pink. Yeah, oh, sorry, yes, no, I thought it was the Mr. Blonde. Yeah, yeah you're right. Because because um, Vincent Vega is and is it Vic Vega? Yeah. his brother. Yes, yeah, so we say John Travolta's character is called Vince Vega. And Vic Vega. And Vic Vega is is Mr. Blonde from yep. Reservoir Dogs. Indeed. And it's not just that they are hired to be brothers. They are brothers. There was going to be a spin-off movie, and then they realized that they. Basically, they, they couldn't play versions of themselves younger than in Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction by the time this movie had come out, so it didn't happen. But there was going to be a spin-off movie called um, The Vega Brothers. And spoilers, if you're listening to this in back-to-front order, they can't play older versions of themselves. No. Well, humans age linearly, if you weren't aware from this <laughs> podcast. Humans age exponentially. I'm glad to introduce um, you to the fact... They, no, they age linearly up to the point where a bullet travels through them, and then they stop aging linearly. Well, it depends on how you define li- ageing, Jack. Your body still ages. Just <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. We have to accept the reality of death. Fraser's just um, freaking out. He's just... <laughs> fun comedy podcast, guys. David is just, like, maturing a bunch of human bodies in his cellar for flavour. I mean, it stinks in here, honestly. Um, okay, Mia. So they're chatting about Mia's career and stuff, and there's something about cooties. They talk about cooties. And I didn't realise, so I googled it. Cootie is a thing. It's a body louse. That's what a cootie is. So when people say, oh, I don't want to get cooties, it's body lice. Mia is the best that. character, though. I love Mia. Mia is oh, my no, favourite character at this point. Like, She's awesome. She then promptly gets up and goes to the bathroom to do some coke. To do more ladies, cocaine. A bunch of other ladies doing, doing their makeup, makeup and she's just like publicly snorting a few cocaine. lines in front of them all, and yeah. this is completely acceptable. It's great though because she's out of view, and then she rises up from doing the. Like, <gasps> no, the thing is, I'm, I'm just going to say it now. I thought I I I actually thought that Uma Thurman's character was the most engaging character, apart from yeah, she Jackson. She's she's like, great. She like like the mid screen. I was just captivated. <laughs> I I actually really like, and when we get to it, I'll talk much more about it. I really like Bruce Willis. Yeah, I Bruce love Willis his is my favorite. Oh, he's character. good too. He's my favorite. Butch's character. I, I Butch's name is. I think he might be my favorite character. That's but my love. I find really good. Yeah, it's my favorite storyline. 
Well, his storyline is also my favorite. I'm not massive too. about the second half, <laughs> but I love the first <laughs> half. Um, so why like they talk about the F word, and I was like, is the F word foot? Like considering what happened she, before, no, it, she probably thinks the rumors that she tugged this guy, which is why he got thrown off a building. That's the, so she she suggests that she suggests the F word first. I think the whole foot massage rumour was just like something that she wasn't aware of, it's just the, whatever the gossip was she probably jumped to the conclusion that they implied that she slept with him so yes. she, she's talking about it in terms of the F word, the F word being fuck it's like just what I heard isn't it, it's about rumours and perspective, again yeah. which is a recurring theme in Tarantino movies yeah like she says like you guys are like a bunch of, um, you're like a, you're like a sewing kids. club like, oh sewing club yeah like they're just, they're just old ladies gossiping about everything yeah, so they get up to dance now because uh, after some back and forth, after they've eaten their food, because she wants to dance, and you know it's her decision. Which is another scene that I loved. <laughs> I I just thought John Travolta needs a concept of dance explaining to him. Um, it was so weird, but she's obviously dancing very free. It's a good scene. I mean, they're um, both high as a kite, when, like when they're like very high. On different things, dancing. though. <laughs> on different things, yeah. She's coked out of her head, and he's on heroin. So yeah, <laughs> John, John Travolta, hi, John Travolta, basically just dad dances mm-hmm. and wins a prize for it anyway. He wins a prize for it anyway because John Travolta. Yeah, exactly. His foot, his footwork is better than most dad dancing, but his the upper body is very dad dancing. Yeah, I mean that's what I thought. They're going for a trophy, and of course it cuts back to them going to meet back to me his house, and she has won the trophy, um, and they've won it. And there's a very much a free song between these two, but you know they can't. John Travolta kind of won't do it to Marcellus' girlfriend. He's So he goes to the bathroom, basically, to kind of psych himself up and go, right, he's going to say goodbye, you're going to leave. And meanwhile, while he's in the bathroom... Yeah, she starts digging through his coat. Not coke. And she pulls out the little baggie full of... Uh, no, okay. she coat. She, she pulls out the little baggie full of powdered heroin, which she thinks is cocaine, because is she thinks yeah. cocaine. Yeah, 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 literally, yeah. Oh. She thought it was cocaine, so she snorted it. So cocaine has- is totally safe to take. I understand. She she basically pulls out his little bag of heroin and she Jesus. thinks it's cocaine because that's what she's been taking all night yeah. and she doesn't recognise she doesn't recognise crystalline heroin. Fuck. And she also takes it the yes. wrong way too. So not she only snorts it, she yeah. has the and double whammy. bleeding from her nose and foaming. Well, yeah, because once she's ODing and snorting heroin's bad. <laughs> yes, I mean everything. Do, I mean, I would argue probably doing heroin in any way is bad. Also, they, oh, they yeah, said the yeah, bag had three grams. The bag had three grams in it. That that's a lot, and that was John Travolta's supply. He's like twice as big as her. I, 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 I actually, can I just say? I'm just gonna play this up before I forget. That scene where it shows him injecting uh, the drugs into his body actually like made me very uncomfortable. Which is weird because like most movies I've seen where people are taking drugs, it's very romanticized. This is the first time where I've seen someone like taking them, but like the way they like direct the scene it actually is meant to like make you kind of writhe in your chair a little bit yeah couldn't tarantino i think i don't know how it would have conflicted but i think there might have been some conflict he the character he chose to play who we'll get to later in the movie he apparently chose to make sure he was behind the camera directing this overdose scene he wanted to ensure that it's well it's very uncomfortable it made me so uncomfortable. So Something uncomfortable. bad happens every time uh, John Travolta goes to uh, the bathroom in this movie. Every time. <laughs> you got a point, huh? Yeah. I don't want to spoil the most bad thing from his perspective. I think it'd be fun to get to that when it comes. Yeah. But um, 
at the start of the movie when we're seeing the spoilers bank robbery. Spoilers popped out. Yeah, spoilers for this. Yes, yeah, spoilers popped out. That's weird. We'll get to that. Um, at the start of the movie in that diner, he's actually in the bathroom at the diner. Um, and then there's there's another another thing, but I can't remember what it is. It's like another time he goes to the bathroom and it's something bad happens. Boy, and then there's the really bad one that we're going to leave till the actual storyline because I think that'll have better impact. It's upsetting, but there's still a lot of funny bits, particularly... So he's driving Mia to... This makes sense why he went back to that dealer's house. I was so confused, because I thought she'd OD'd on coke, and so I was yeah. like, why is he going back to his dealer? Yeah, she's, she's OD'd dri- on the ultra-strong yeah, heroin he He's driving from that her back to, to Lanston, the dealer's house, and the guy's like, he's on the phone, he's like sitting in his dressing gown watching like kids' cartoons and eating and, cereal. And eating cereal at three in the morning. <laughs> and, um, I think it's very relatable. I'm sure many people can relate right now yeah right now especially um but it's really funny like she's like don't bring her here he's like i bring you here and then he like legit basically crashes onto their lawn in a continuous scene like it's continuous it's cuts but then as they finish at the call john Travolta drives onto the lawn i really liked it again i felt they filmed this whole scene in interesting ways that scene shot but the wife is not happy about it he's looking for his adrenaline shots and he's going through like he goes into like a side room and they film it so you can kind of see bits of the side room but you can't really see in properly. I noted it and I found it was very interesting. The dialogue between Lance and his wife is great, between Lance and John Travolta. It's so... Again, I, I knew this was a hallmark of Quentin Tarantino movies anyway uh, from the epic rap battles of history but um, Quentin Tarantino's dialogue is so sharp um, and this movie particularly has it's just got brilliant dialogue in it. I didn't like needles, so I was extremely uncomfortable with the idea of a needle piercing my heart. Um, yeah, I was very course, aroused. They stab Mia in the chest. <laughs> All the scenes where needles are present in this film made me. But they stab they stab Mia in the chest with the adrenaline, and it's quite comfortable. And she immediately goes, <gasps> and she's got like a big fuck off needle coming out of her, and she's she's alive and she survives the overdose. And uh, apparently, they filmed actually they, they put the needle in and then pulled it out really fast, and that's how they did it. They didn't reverse that shot, rather than you know, stab oh her with a needle really hard. But they, they don't actually show the needle going into her. I, that, see, I noticed it, so I'd read that fact before I don't think, watching I don't, I don't, it. That's a, is that actually a fact? Because they that's, never show it in It was her. on Imdb. So they don't show it entering They show them, anyway. like, trying to make the incision, then they just cut it, because, again, you don't, I don't, you don't know. really need to see I read it. that crap. And everything you read on the internet is true. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure that's not true, because they what? wouldn't be inserting a needle all the way into the no. heart of an, of an actor. Well, no, I don't think it went into her heart. I think it was up the surface of her skin and then they pulled it up. I don't yeah, know. that seems reasonable. That seems reasonable. Yeah, it seems a bit more reasonable. Like, I don't think any actor would, like, would, like, agree to be injected, to, like, have a needle shoved straight into their heart and then no, it Daniel Day-Lewis is a real committed guy. He might do it. Well, John Travolta, to understand heroin, he was told to get really, really drunk and go in a hot tub so him and his wife, I think I can't remember if it was. I think it was tequila. Like, got in a hot tub and lined up loads and loads of tequila shots on the side. And oh, just, I think I know what they're. That's how they. Uh, that. That's I how they learned. So you know, that. he was committed. I'd hate to be drunk in a hot tub right now. I would. Well, I mean, I'd just, that be, it would just be the worst thing. Stupid, but wouldn't that be like also like no one send me with, alcohol or but hot like, tub? Wouldn't the equivalent of Don't. that would be getting really really drunk and then having a really hot shower? Yeah, but it's more fun to get in a hot tub. It's like lie in the hot yeah. tub, be like fully immersed. Yeah, I think that's more. It's more about the the feeling of warmth and the of like the, weightlessness, the, flow, weightlessness, like, yes. the buoyancy and those things. It's not about 
Yeah, yeah the weightlessness. Wet. That's what it would be. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. So it'd be like so, maybe having a bath or something, but in a really large. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah well, hot tubs. You know, not doesn't sound as cool if you if Quentin Tarantino said get drunk and have a bath. Quentin Tarantino <laughs> today has drowned in a bath. <laughs> drowned uh, in a bath. <laughs> um, so, not that we know it necessarily yet, but now we get to the next part of the thing, and it cuts to a kind of racist cartoon. I thought. Um, being watched by a little blonde boy um, who turns out to be Butch, the boxer, young Bruce Willis. Uh, this child, I don't think, has any other acting credits. Uh, he's just young Bruce Willis in this movie. And then Captain Christopher Walken comes in. Yeah, boy. And this is probably, I think, the scene that made me laugh like the most. Like, well, I couldn't stop but just chuckling. Yeah, so he's point. talking... He's giving this long... Uh, Christopher Walken is a captain. He's play, And he is... A, was a colleague in the army of um, which is dead Air, Air Force, isn't it? Was it Air Force or was army? No, it was Marines. It was Marines. It was Marines. Marines. All right, all right. Uh, Butch's dad, and Butch's dad died in a POW camp in World War Two. I think is that right? Mm, yes. No, I thought I World War Two is uh, Vietnam. Vietnam. It was it was Nam. Yeah, oh, Nam. Nam. Okay. Yeah. He died in Nam, and he's bringing him the watch. And Christopher Walken gives this massive speech, and it's very adult. There's not much like swearing and stuff in it, or bad language. It's a bit, but basically, the reason I bring it up is because the kid had no clue what the guy was talking about. Like, genuinely, it's on record that the child did not understand because the language was way too adult. So the kid was just like, you know, sit there and listen." Basically, it's a brilliant monologue, and there's a bit where, and it felt almost out of place for the rest of the movie. But that's almost the point because this is a flashback. Um, and what I love, I love that Christopher Walken pauses for fucking ages, and it's actually because Christopher Walken forgot his lines, and then they incorporate <laughs> it into the movie. That's I so love good. that they immediately start talking about how he's like, and your dad hit the, hit his watch, this watch up his ass for years, and then when I got it yes. after him before he died, I hit it up my ass. And I'm just like, I'm just like I give you. Butch, this ass watch, such as you might also wear it up your ass. It's like, it's so funny. It comes out of nowhere. It's, it's great. It's hilarious. It's oh, no, it's, it's a fantastic scene. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was, I, was, I was really, really laughing hard about yeah, the whole entire funny. monologue. Because looking at Christopher Walken with a straight face, saying how, like, his brother in arms hid this watch up his ass, his ass and then he himself hid the same watch up his, up his ass. ass we're really ass brothers now it's, we're, yeah. you know, it's a fecal transplant it's not no, the regular way no, of doing like, it I, no. I was kind of thinking to myself like, no. if, I, if, like, if, I was in that spa- if I was in that spot giving those lines I would not be able to go through any take because I'd just be laughing so hard like I don't know how he like, stayed a straight face saying that at all one word answer Valium <laughs> more jokes so and then Bruce Willis wakes up from this and this is before so this takes place before he's thrown the boxing match with Marcellus and now I started to understand what the title cards were and this is a gold watch story at first what we see is a dark apartment and a man jumping out of a window Bruce Willis making a swift exit from his apartment through the window then it cuts to I'm right, it cuts, then it cuts to Vince Vega Dodge Volta and Mia in Marcellus' office, right? And Marcellus is pissed because Butch didn't throw the boxing match. Is that right? Yes. I think so. Uh, he did he 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 didn't just no, he, not he yeah. killed throw the it. Guy, didn't he? he killed he, the guy. He, he he demolished the opponent so hard. And bear in mind, this is presumably 
a boxer who is sponsored and funded by Marcellus Wallace. So this is probably somebody that Marcellus Wallace knows pretty well and has put a lot of faith and money behind. And not yes. only is the guy he's just paid to throw the fight not thrown the fight, he's, he's actually killed him. Up in the chat, Butch is taking a taxi, right, um, yeah. to the hotel room where his or the motel where his girlfriend's staying. Now the taxi driver, her name is Esmeralda. She's meant to be Colombian, but I don't know if you guys know this. She's talking about you know she wants to know about death. She wants to know how it feels. Yeah, to she kill came a man. across as a bit crazy to me. Like. She's actively asking about mur- like about death. Like she wants to know like what it's like to kill someone. Well, she and does, stuff. and do you all know why? Why she is from another movie called Curdled, where which is about a woman who is obsessed with like serial killers, and actually, and cle- she helps to like clean up after crimes or something. She shows up in a taxi, and that's how she becomes like obsessed with serial killers. That's she's from that movie. Really Same cool. actress. Um, but yeah, I thought that was quite cool. It would have been even more creepy if every time she asked him what it's like to kill a man, she added the word legally. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it... Was it legal? Yes. I guess it'd be, if, it'd be manslaughter you, you, at worst, wouldn't it? Yeah, but you don't actually, you don't get persecuted. Boxing ring deaths, uh, if, if the ref hasn't stopped the fight, you don't get persecuted. So if I kill anyone in a boxing ring, just... I, I, uh, it's legal. If the if, if the referee will be the one that will get in legal trouble, yeah, does, does there have to be a referee there? Oh shit! Yeah. It's like, if there's no crimes. referee, then the whole entire boxing fight is illegal. I don't want a witness. I have to kill the referee as well. But then I'll need another <laughs> referee for that, and then another referee no, no, to kill him. The, the referee and the medical officials that are present are legally responsible for the safety of the, of the the boxers, not the boxers themselves. Yeah, it's their job to. To watch the back of the boxes. If you if you kill the other guy, you're not. Well, you're then not Marcellus is very much in the wrong. How dare he follow follow Butch? <laughs> uh, so Butch goes to the hotel room where his girlfriend Maria is, and she's just lying there on top of the covers. Okay, listen, we'll get to see some tasteful Bruce Willis ass now because it's next morning and he's had a shower, and some very tastefully framed Bruce Willis ass. Okay, smash or pass. Uh, I don't think anyone's smashing Bruce Willis. No, he, smash, he smashes around. you, doesn't he? It's obvious it's Bruce Willis. He smashed you. The last time he smashed a guy, it killed him, so I'm going to have to pass on that. I'm going to go for... I'm going to go midway. Not smash, not pass, but something in between. <laughs> Fraser being rather silent here. <laughs> I'm staying out of this one. <laughs> So, they've got a sweet relationship. He calls him Jelly Bean. I love this morning scene in the movie. So, what is they're kind of getting ready to go, to pack. And then Bruce Willis can't find his precious golden ass watch. Um, and she left <laughs> did it. He, did he check in his ass? Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking. I actually, I've got written, Jack. Has he tried searching his ass? Like I kind of have thought that 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 like that there'd be like a gag where he where like she asks where like she, someone asks ass. them, "Have you checked up your ass?" <laughs> have you checked the ass? Well, she doesn't know about it. She doesn't know why it's important. Yeah, that he's not yeah, told yeah. Her. Just, which is why I was um, like, "Oh, rat!" But he goes mental, gets the, the motel TV and throws it at Maria, and then when she kind of sort of stumbles to the floor, a lamp sort of softly bonks her on the head, and I was like, "Oh, that's sad." It's it's a bit it's scary because Bruce Willis has gone mental, and you know he's just killed someone. I didn't get the sense that he was actually going to hurt her, but look, we've only had this character on screen for five minutes, and in that time, he's killed. He's taken person. bribes from a mod boss, and then he's killed somebody. Okay, fine. And then he threw a TV at his girlfriend. <laughs> exactly. But anyway, he basically is willing to go risk the gangsters for his watch, the hitman. Fine, I get it. Um, I'd do that if I'd like left my pen my biro behind 
I, I really like all of the things I own. Um, if, if I left behind anything of any, <laughs> any value, any value, like any emotional, personal, value. even no va- non-value, honestly, just you know, a piece of paper in my bin has to. It's mine. And they're not allowed it. John Travolta isn't allowed my piece of bin paper. I wouldn't give him any receipts. I feel like I, I no, don't want to give him any personal true. information in case he no. somehow uses it against you. Yeah, he's going to do a um, a character assassination rather than actual he's doing assassination. A, he's doing a, a personality test without you being there. That's the reason Bruce Willis goes back. Is He knows is that he if doing- he finds the watch, then he's going to uncover something about his personality that can be le- leveraged. Oh, God. Uh, so he's, he, but Bruce Willis is driving back to the apartment. He's ranting continuously. So he's like, he says to to Maria, you know, basically, oh, it's okay, it's okay. He didn't know, he didn't know. Blah blah. He, I've got to go get it. I've got to go get it. Puts on his jacket. Goes. Like, fuck. Uh, go get your papers. And then as soon as it comes, he's like, fuck. How could she forget the watch? It's the one thing I told her. I told her to remember the watch. Admittedly, his concern is something to do with the fact that if he goes back, he may be killed. <laughs> I love the shooting for this. It stays behind Bruce Willis and follows him for ages and pulls back as he kind of goes up some stairs inside the building, so you can't see that, and re-emerges onto a mezzanine upstairs. It stays in, like, the courtyard where his apartment is. It's really nicely shot, and you kind of see him from a distance going into his building. There's a really lovely... He puts the key in the lock, and it makes such a good clunking noise. I noticed it. It makes such a good noise. It is a very David satisfying into that, uh, door lock ASMR. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. Hey, guys, I'm back to my uh, door, door lock ASMR. I mean, it's a great locking noise. It's a really, really good one. Yeah. Anyway, so Bruce Willis finds the watch. He's happy. Then, for some unknowable reason, he strolls he randomly he into his kitchen. Up. Right. They, there are assassins after him. He knows this. Yeah, but he checks around the house because he's really concerned because he figured someone would be waiting for him. And he comes in and he doesn't find anyone waiting for him. So he's they like, okay. They could be coming any second. Know. Don't make a Pop-Tart. He puts Pop-Tarts <laughs> in the in the... In the toaster right and i've had pop tots and they are nice if deadly when they're too hot and looks around and sees just a big very big gun jack what type of gun is it it's, i'm pretty sure it's a mac 11 or mac 10 it's um yeah it's a it, big, it su- like it's a a big suppressed submachine gun it's only big because of the suppressor it's not actually that big a gun he sees this big gun on the side and he looks at it and it's really fun. like you can you know what's happening clearly there's an assassin in the house and then you hear the toilet flushing and Jamie, this scene is tense and funny. It's probably my favourite scene in the entire movie. So, toilet flushes. Bruce Willis picks up the gun. Door opens. It's it's John Travolta holding his favourite book. He looks. They look at each other. Silent. Anyway, so we just start blasting. <laughs> <laughs> the Pop-Tarts come up in the toaster and the second they jump up, he just blasts he just them back into the and toilet. And John Travolta... <laughs> body explodes in a shower of blood and bullets. I thought that was amazing. Um, I would say, then Bruce Willis kind of goes, George Volta, Vince Vega is dead now. Uh, that's the surprise we're hitting at. The worst thing that happens to him when he goes to the bathroom is he dies, which is probably the worst, one of the worst oh, things that can happen to believe you. Believe it or not, it's double incompetence. While looking the uh, the gun up on International Movie Weapons Database, which is a thing, it right. says it's actually Marcellus Wallace's gun, and he was there too. 
Marcellus Wallace went out to get him and Vincent some breakfast, being confirmed in the trivia track bonus feature. Oh, it's when he's walking across the. So there were two of them there, and one went out to get breakfast, and the other yeah, exactly. That's why he's crossing the road. So one went out to get breakfast, and the other one went to the toilet. We'll get to what happens to Marcellus. But this does answer one question, which is why did Vince? Why was Marcellus just walking about? Why did he not take? You know, the question of why did Vince not take it into the toilet with him is because it's not his gun. Ah, that makes sense. Uh, but Bruce sort of murders himself. They keep underestimating you. Now, I would argue, I'm not sure if that is what's going on, considering that you forgot to tell your girlfriend the thing about the watch. You went back against any common knowledge, and then you decided to make Pop Tart, which randomly led you to find the gun. So I'm not really sure they are underestimating you. <laughs> I think they're underestimating whose side God is on. And I'm not so sure it is on Samuel L. Jackson's as Samuel L. Jackson thinks. Or maybe it is, but it's not on, clearly not on Vince Vegas. It's not um, on heroin users of the world. No. As they deserve. No. Um, so now Butch pretty happily gets in the car, plays some music, drives off, stops at a crossroads as Marcellus Wallace crosses. And Butch is like, uh-oh. And then Marcellus looks and realises he's like, son of a bitch. And Butch just steps on it smashes into Marcellus Wallace. It's great. Marcellus goes up and over the car. This is the first time you see his face properly. And But then Butch like spins off the road and like crashes into another car and it cuts to black. And I was like, well, obviously it's going to cut to, you know, Bruce Willis waking up. No, it cuts to Marcellus waking up. And again, now it's almost in part from Marcellus's perspective. He, he's a great. big guy. He, he tanked that car. Yeah, I mean, he, it was really... He hit the car more than the car hit him. The car didn't have that much time to get up to speed. No. <laughs> but while he wakes up being stared at by kids in a mom. And so I've got a little fact that one of the girls is credited as Gorka number one. There, there is no Gorka number two. Only Gorka number one. Uh, guys, my kitchen's flooded, apparently. What? <laughs> my kitchen... The, the, apparently the washing machine has, has exploded water everywhere. Do you have to go deal with this? I'm going to go deal with that. Um, okay. Uh, we'll leave this in so people know why Finn's not talking. Um, go deal with your washing machine. Sorry about that. Um, so Marcellus then pulls a gun and starts chasing after Bruce Willis. He immediately kills a bystander. Uh, there's some absolutely horrible, unpleasant screaming. And then there's a really, very, very fun chase scene. Would you guys agree with Marcellus yes, following I would say, Bruce Willis? Yeah. It's... It's great. It's just a really again. It's like the chase scene with um, Mr. Pink in Reservoir Dogs. It's, it's engaging. Really it's, it's it's really engaging as a chase. It's scene. It's really well choreographed. I highly recommend. If there's one bit, in my opinion, like a scene that I think you could watch out of context, have a lot of fun with. I would say this is the most fun out of context scene in this movie. Agree, yeah, it is. It's, Not the it second half. Genuinely, of this scene. it's just a really, really. Fun <laughs> oh, I'm, scene. I think I think some people might consider the second. Some half people of this might consider part. that fun, and those people are weird. Um, <laughs> So to go on to that, I can't believe Finn's going to miss the gimp a bit. Um, <laughs> Bruce Willis wants what to you po- said, you don't kink shame. I don't. I'm just remembering us being in the middle of um, Forbidden Planet in Manchester, and we found they had some old like movie action figures, and you could get a crappy action figure no. of just the gimp from Pulp no. Fiction. No. <laughs> and Finn found this to be like the best thing in the world. Um, I'll remind him of this when he comes back. Great. That's upsetting. But the, so Bruce Willis runs to this pawn shop. The shopkeeper is incredibly unbothered by Bruce Willis being covered in blood. And he saves Marcellus's life because Bruce Willis smashes him onto the floor like a boxer. You know, he's going to gonna kill him, beat him to death. The, the shopkeeper you know, gets a gun out, 
intervenes between them, smashes Bruce Willis with a button again, knocks him out, and then he calls someone up, and you're not sure what is going to happen. So Zed, <laughs> he calls up Zed. Yeah, so we're gonna. This is the scene where we're talking about sexual violence. So I will make you aware of a timestamp now that you can jump to. One hour, 11 minutes. Right, so uh, I gave people that want to hear the this stuff. So this is the scene where Marcellus Wallace and uh, Butch wake up, tied to chairs with ball gags in their mouths. And this is when shit Thank gets you. real weird. Fraser said kinky. Woot, woot. I've definitely seen this aped in other shows. The Simpsons, I've always seen The Simpsons seen this. has done a full yeah, parody yeah. of this scene, yeah. yeah. And, and I think South Park did something similar to this length and probably sure it has. they definitely have. Family Guy has definitely done this too. I feel like every adult yes, animated TV uh, show has done this. Every animated show. Bob's Burgers has probably done it. <laughs> definitely. Gravity Falls didn't do it. Uh, good. Uh, it's a children's show. No, no, they, they just they just do it with the, with, uh, the pig and it has an apple no. in its mouth instead of a book. <laughs> no, to be fair, they have had the pig with an apple in his mouth. Yeah, but did that apple have a leather strap around the back of the pig's head? It's not an apple, though. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's it's hot. It's very, very uncomfortably filming in that you've got this close-up on these two guys and behind them is where all the, all the shit's happening. There's like a cop that's been called Zed by this other guy. They're all rooting through stuff in the back. It's really uncomfortable. And the guy, the cop, reminded me a lot of Buffalo Bill from, um, you know, that movie. Silence of the Lambs. Silence of the Lambs. It reminded me a lot of that. Yeah, he, act, he acts like he's got a few more of his marbles together than Buffalo Bill. Yeah, I mean, definitely. But it's still quite uh, disturbing, I would say. And this is where, as I have written here, it's the gym. They're like, wait, they're like, go get the gym. He's like, the gym's sleeping. Like, well, go wake him up. (laughs) This is where the word gimp comes from. Really? Yeah, I Google it. Not the suit. The BDSM suit already existed, but apparently um, this is where it comes from. Now, I I tried to find this out. I Googled the words um, gimp movies. I heartily recommend you do not Google the words gimp movies. Uh, gimp, gimp masks in non-pornographic titles IMDB Wikipedia said this is where it was from Pulp okay, Fiction, guys. Manhunt 2 8mm, Family Guy Let's Go to the Hop Such good Corner, movies Max Payne, The Collection oh, Max Payne Simpsons, bad. What Animated Women Want Next Friday, what? Grand Theft Auto San Andreas Aqua Teen Hunger Force The Cubing Oh my god, Aqua Teen Hunger Force 100, there's a sequel Postal 2. <laughs> Why am I not surprised? Why am I not surprised? Yeah. American Dad, Moon Over Isla Island. Okay. That's a good one. I love Moon Over Isla Island. It's an excellent episode of American Dad. Well, Stan accidentally kills a dictator of an island, so Roger ends up disguised as him. It is a really good episode. Um, do not remember the gimp suit from that. But what you get is... The gimp shows up and he's this man in full leather with zips all over him, and he kind of just moans and makes Comple- weird noises. He's completely mute, with the exception well, of the until, weird noises. Yeah, yeah. He does. He doesn't speak. No, he's chained as well. So he's chained. And they the store ceiling. him in a little box in the corner. Yeah. And then they leave, and they they basically take they take Marcellus into the back room, uh, and there's like super good slow mo on the door slamming. You can hear some stuff going on in the background. 
Uh, and basically, they're ra- they're raping Marcellus. Is what's happening. Um, you can hear like you know uncomfortable stuff. Bruce Willis starts to break out, starts to escape. The gimp's like, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> and then he just absolutely knocks the gimp out. And he's the gimp is currently suspended from the ceiling. Yeah, the by the way, so he is... knocks him out, and his body is just kind like of hanging, hanging from the ceiling. This is very much Fingy's hero moment. This is Bruce Willis's proper hero moment. He decides, I'm not going to abandon Marcellus. I'm going to go save him. Good. He um, uses a katana off the wall to do it. Um, yeah, you, you, you missed the best bit. He's what? trying to leave the shop, and then he has this like moment of conscience when he's trying to leave. He's at the door upstairs, and he can still hear the noises coming from downstairs. So he has this kind of like moment of like, oh, I, I, I'm okay. I'm going to do something. My, something is telling him he has to go back and do something. But so he's in the mid. He's got. He's he's already beaten up and hurt. But he's looking around the the pawn shop because like where better to find weapons than a pawn shop? And for some reason he doesn't just find a gun. There's plenty of guns in the shop. Anyway, he oh, starts cool. looking through weapons. So I'm pretty sure he starts off. He picks up like a hammer first. Yes, he does. And, uh, no, there's no, a baseball bat. And he's like, no, well. no, no, no. And then he picks up a chainsaw and he starts like feel like like trying to like feel the way at this chainsaw. Like, mm, maybe not. And then he then he spots the yeah, katana, and that's katana. when he puts the chainsaw away. The movie could have been a lot more violent if he'd gone with the chainsaw. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I I thought this is the gratuitous violence I want with the with the katana. Like this is this is why why. Oh, he barely the... touches them with it. Uh, I mean, he cuts the first guy almost in half, doesn't he? Yeah, he just slashes them. He slashes him in the back with it. Am I the only one who thought that the katana he picks up? Uh, the first thing I thought of was, is that the katana from Kill Bill? <laughs> I'll look it up. I'll recognize it if it's the one from Kill Bill. Because it be, I, I, because I, in Kill Bill, in Kill Bill Two, um, Bill's brother mentions that he pawned his uh, Hattori Hanzo katana for five hundred bucks. Oh my god, that can't be a that can't be a coincidence. It is. It is. It is. It's a Hattori Hanzo sword. Yeah. Oh my god. Yes, that's awesome. It's it's Bill's fucking brother's sword. <laughs> Anyway, so what happens now is we've got Bruce Willis with the sword and uh, they stop, unsurprisingly, the cop stops raping Marcellus. Marcellus kind of backs off and then Marcellus re-emerges from the background with a shotgun and shoots the man in the dick. Shoots the cop in the dick and I was like, Good. With a shotgun, mind you. <laughs> yeah, but what I love is that this is almost a bro moment between Marcellus and Bruce Willis as they watch this man bleed from the dick and it's, first of all, good. I'm glad they shot the man in the dick. Second uh, of all, that guy would not have survived the ride to, to Marcellus's like place of interest where he's going to continue. Oh no, he, does, he doesn't. They don't take him anywhere. No, they <laughs> torture him. There. He get he gets his guys to come round. Yeah, I'll get medieval on your ass again. I've heard that before. Yeah, he 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 says he's going to phone a bunch of punk ass uh, racial slurs to come round and go to and go to town on him with a pair of pliers and a blowtorch oh I'm gonna get medieval on your ass you hear that um, yeah. sort of rapist motherfucker hillbilly boy I think is what he says or something along those lines hello I've returned uh, so Finn we are we've just uh, Marcellus is just explaining how he's gonna torture um, the Zed yeah. Yeah. So a... the conversation between Marcellus and Butcher is excellent. And I think this might be the first time they say they're in Los Angeles in the movie. Because I didn't know where it was set. But what I love is as Bruce Willis leaves, the unconscious gimp is still hanging there and it is legitimately hilarious. It's so funny. He goes back to collect Maria on a chopper. She's very forgiving and he's still a bit of a dick. 
And then as they ride off, there's this music that I thought was the Twilight Zone theme. And in today's episode of Strange Tales, we got some hidden men saved by God. <laughs> uh, this is where we get to the final story. And although I love the Bruce Willis story, the name of this story is so excellent. It's the Marvin situation. So as we've already explained, we've already explained this bit, but just to recap... This is the bit where we then go back to the scene with the hitmen, Samuel Jackson, John Travolta, and they, the guy bursts out of the toilet, they gun him down, but they don't get shot. Jules, Samuel Jackson reckons it was like divine intervention that he didn't get shot. They then leave, but they take Marvin with them, the last guy in the car. Samuel Jackson's talking about retiring. John Travolta turns to him and like, what do you think about this, Marvin? Do you think this is bullshit? And just in mid-sentence, Marvin's head Bam. just violently explodes. And then it's ri- it's so funny though. It's so the conversation between them is so nonchalant. Like, I'm wondering what the car behind them on the road thinks about seeing the immediate <laughs> like the windscreen just turning red. <laughs> oh man, I shot Marvin in the face. Oh like, just god! Casually, like just just driving down the road with like a guy's like head spewed in the back, and they're just like casually talking about it. <laughs> It's so funny, though. Um, For the record, this is why I got so nervous during Reservoir Dogs when, uh, um, was it Mr. Orange, is waving the gun around with his finger on the trigger. Because, like, Tarantino understands trigger discipline and what happens when you don't have any. Oh, my God. It's a brilliant scene. Again, it's so funny. It's really funny. (laughs) Really far foreshadowing. But next we get, so what they stop at then, basically, their mate Jimmy's house and Jimmy is played by Quentin Tarantino and he is just a guy in his dressing gown drinking coffee and there's some coffee we can all that gourmet like... shit to be specific yeah and I love it what I love is he's just this guy I mean last time like I said last time I didn't really like Mr. Brown because it felt like I didn't like him being there part of the crew it felt weird knowing in hindsight it's Quentin Tarantino but this because it's just some random guy who the main characters are dropping in on I loved it. I just, I thought it was so funny. He's just this ordinary dude. Maybe he's called Mr. Brown because he just really loves good coffee. Shit. Um, His delivery is brilliant, Quentin Tarantino's as well. I would just watch, I would watch a whole two hour movie of this. Mm. Of this, this cleaning up stuff, right? A two-hour movie of them cleaning pieces of brain out of the back. Well, of you'd the have car. other bits in it, wouldn't you? You'd have the cops come around and they have to hide stuff, you know. Um, this is, I think, one of the only times they show what. Maybe they show it more frequently, but I thought this might have been. Oh yeah, so no, they show on screen a timestamp. At this point, again, the only time this happens in the movie, like when Mia drew a square. That was a bit weird, but this is when the best cat maybe the best character in the movie shows up the problem solver <laughs> the wolf the, mr wolf the wolf who is also harvey Keitel, mr white from reservoir yep. who's here who's the fixer he's like here's how you're going to get out of this and not get done by the cops here's how we're going to fix this now i recognize this as if you guys and when i watched it i was like wait i i i've seen this before but i've not seen this movie before Anyway, so I watch quite a lot of television. You're going to get that with a lot of Tarantino, but No, Jack, you don't understand. If you don't understand what I'm about to say, then you don't understand. I'm already angry about what you're going Yes, I watch a lot of television. And I was like, this is an advert. This is a a car insurance advert. Yep, it's his direct line, which is a British insurance firm, I think, legitimately uses Harvey Keitel as Mr. White in their adverts. 
Yeah, that's how I recognised this too, because I was like, I've seen this before. I... <laughs> Finn, did I hear you say you're angry about this? I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty angry. <laughs> I'm pretty mad at both of you. Fraser, I'm, I'm even more mad at you. Because, Disappointed. Because uh, you, you knew him as a uh, an advertising salesman before being my fault. the ultimate Chad. It is your fault, David, because uh-huh. you could have watched Pulp Fiction with us and you're like, oh, it's boring. I was bored and then we played Minecraft and had a great time. That is true. It was a fun night. <laughs> oh, yeah, you were there. I was there, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot Fraser was there. That was the it day was I a, met It you. was a fun time and Fraser was there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> These are independent facts. That was the first time I met you. Yes, it was, Oh, David. my God. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so Wolf comes up and he's the fixer. He explains, here's how we're going to clean the car up. Particularly before Jimmy's wife gets in. It's like, oh, we got to clean this up before Jimmy's wife gets in. I doesn't really crazy. suggest that much that they couldn't have done anyway. No, but they're not. The point they're is kind he of knows clueless. exactly. Yeah, exactly. But he's, like, the best at what he does. And you've seen this plot a million also, times. Also, do he, this before the parents. He get has in. the connections for the scrapyard and things like that. Yeah, yeah, I know. Essential. But the thing is, like most of the stuff he suggests, cleaning-wise, they probably could have and should have started, but instead of sitting around drinking coffee. Well, they probably wouldn't have thought we should probably leave all the brain here just to make it authentic. Um, so now we just get Jules and Vincent cleaning the car again. It's really funny. Ju- uh, Jules is in the back seat, Samuel L. Jackson. It felt like a sketch. Like I thought it felt like a comedy sketch. Jules is in the back seat, and he's just like, "Why am I cleaning the back seat? You shaving the head?" I basically felt, probably with less slurs, that um, uh, there are a lot of users of the end. There are a in lot that of scene. slurs. I thought this felt like a Mitchell and Webb sketch. I can imagine Mitchell and Webb doing a sketch. Do you rate that? Any that's, of you? F- that's fair. Yeah, yeah. I just love, I love this scene. I thought it was brilliant. Um, and they're wearing this. Actually, is them why they're wearing those silly clothes earlier when they go into interrupt the meeting where the butch is having with Marcellus. Um, there's a bit of tasteful nudity here, shot just above crotch height, where they're getting hosed off, and then they get ready to drive to Monster Joe's for the next stage. Quintetantio looks very smug that he's not having to get hosed. Um, he's also smug that they look like idiots in the new clothes, which absolutely. are his new clothes, aren't they? Yeah, they say, I don't know what you're smug Yeah, they are his clothes. Yeah, exactly. they're your clothes. They're your clothes. <laughs> um, they get to Monster Joe's, who's this guy that owns a scrapyard, and they meet Raquel, who's Joe's daughter. So she's played by Julia Sweeney, who at this point had been on SNL for four years. So it's quite a good um, CV at this point. Um, and in the background of the scene, there's some very adorable puppies playing. Did you see Important. Them? Very important. It is important. They're so cute. So basically, that is the car clean. Mr. Wolf takes Raquel out on like a little lunch date. Um, so now we get the last scene in the movie. It's Jules and Vincent go to get breakfast. And wouldn't you know it, it's the diner from the start of the movie, like we talked about before. And they're talking about how pigs are dirty animals. I'm Jewish. And I was like, this very much informed my childhood of what I was allowed to eat. Um, they're saying dogs have good personality pigs don't have good personality pigs have excellent personalities first of all babe one second of all babe two <laughs> charlotte's web uh third of all they're an extre- they're extremely intelligent um if you're gonna look at animal behavior they are really clever and awesome but also babe three pig in the shitty because they roll around the shit that was just a pun i thought up and i thought i had to say it Jack liked it. Um, but basically, Jules is saying how he's going to quit and become I mean, a drifter. I mean, current amount of alcohol, Jack likes it. Oh, honestly, that's any amount of alcohol 
Jack likes it is enough for me. If it's just Jack moaning in some sort of alcoholic I keep coma. forgetting. I was supposed to be making a running theme out of these podcasts of saying specifically what I was drinking on each given night. Go on, what are you I drinking? haven't done that yet. What are you drinking? Tonight, tonight I am drinking uh, Anarch 16-year-old single malt scotch whiskey. Okay. I had a, I had a uh, Copperberg gin um, with some some strawberry-flavoured water and some ice. I I had I had some of uh, some of the the water from the the washing machine that splashed into my mouth. <laughs> when I, was, when I, was, I yeah. had detergent, and obviously it's cured me of coronavirus. I am completely clean. <laughs> drink responsibly, kids, unless it's a coronavirus curing dishwasher then, fluid. Then drink drink irresponsibly. Drink heavily irresponsibly. And I only just had just one Guinness, but like the original stuff, not the awful shit you usually get. Well, okay, yeah, but not I like, not like any of the good things, like like the water from your washing machine, because that's just no. the best stuff. People, yeah, that's the best stuff. Don't do I, we that. can't, don't we can't that. all have that. We're not all part of the privileged few. <laughs> yeah, um, like Finn, the top one. Like, to mirror everyone else, what, like what, what you guys have said, people, please don't drink the water from your washing machine. Okay, <laughs> I think whoever's going to listen to this podcast, which I imagine a lot of it will be people we know. Uh, yeah. I, I, hopefully, eventually, a lot of people we don't know, but I would hope most people who are listening to a podcast, this podcast, know to not drink, do that stuff. Yeah, dumb things. Yeah, don't drink. Do not listen to presidents of America on what you should ingest to cure yourself. Basically, that is to, not a controversial opinion. Bluntly, anything Trump says, just don't do. <laughs> don't drink it. <laughs> if he tells you to drink something, don't do it. <laughs> yeah, he was like, it's very important. You keep breathing. It's so important. Breathe. Oxygen's so great, the greatest. I love oxygen. You know, then definitely keep breathing oxygen. You know, there's certain things just, that he we just do say share. whatever the just say you know, the opposite of whatever he says. Whatever whatever species <laughs> Trump is and our species do share some similarities. Um, so Jules is going to quit and become a drifter, and I think we'll probably talk more about this when we do uh, Kill Bill Volume Two from the trivia I found, because uh, it's. It's implied that he is the same guy that he plays in Kill Bill Volume 2. Implication is all I need. Um, not, it doesn't imply it in this movie. In fact, Kill Bill Volume 2 would have been made for at least, what, another five or six years, I would guess. Um, but Jules is going to quit the assassin life. And you can see in the background, uh, you know, you get to hear Tim Roth asking for a coffee. And the dialogue's actually different because it's about how each character is interpreting what they're saying or what they're hearing. But this syncs up the scene. So now we get Vincent going to the bathroom and this is where we see the robbery start. Tim Roth and his girlfriend pull out their guns. It's really well coordinated. The robbery, honestly, you get to see the robbery. It goes way better than the Reservoir Dogs robbery. Not going to lie, guys. If I happen to be like someone eating, like sitting next to the door, I, I would just go... Oh, oh, how fucking yeah, free breakfast and wait for, like, there's only two of them. Wait for one of them to not be looking and let's just get up and leave. Yeah, what are they going to do? <laughs> That's your first thought, Jack. Oh yeah, free, free breakfast. breakfast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they can't They can't go chasing after you, otherwise other people will do it because then there'll only be one and of plus them. Plus also the management <laughs> probably wouldn't be in the right mind to charge people after the robbery. <laughs> I can't be your first thought. <laughs> Well, Jack no, it would also be the man. thought of he it would also be the thought of the, these people sound a little bit crazy. Maybe I should use my opportunity to leave while I can. <laughs> Ooh, free breakfast! He says in a bank heist. 
Oh my god. Back the Ooh, ooh, I guess I could go without can taking you imagine my if receipts, bank robbers, Jack says. If bank robbers bought, like, subway platters that they could, like, put out when everyone's on the floor. They're like, you know, we're, 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 we're bad people, but we have some morals. We're gonna get you some lunch while we while we're using you as hostages. Yeah. We're gonna feed you. You guys make 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 them some breakfast. I like Jack's in a robbery in a Costco, and he's like, "Well, ooh, free 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 samples," and just you know, it's like, "Oh, I haven't I haven't bought the product they're trying to get me to buy," and I'm walking out. Um, I, I like the idea of any crime Jack witnesses being an opportunity to get something minor for free, but only like, food. Yeah, no, no gravel, maybe. The hell am I doing with gravel? I need aggregate. Like, like your driveway. Morning. You can eat it like birds do to like use uh, to, to like churn food. Yeah, to make eggs. That's what eggs are made of, rocks. Yeah. Um, so it's really well coordinated. It's like a robbery that's quite spurred of moment. But you know, they're like, they're chasing everyone out of the kitchen. They get everyone together. They're telling people stay where they are. They're very, very heavily intimidating individual people. Like, you know, you moved. I'm going to shoot. Get over this table. You have 10 seconds. Well, I'm going to shoot you. It's it's great. It's very hectic. Vincent's still on the toilet. In fact, it cuts to him on the toilet. Now, and then we get here. They're going around getting the wallet and Tim Roth approaches Samuel L. Jackson and he gets it. But Jules will not open the case because he's got the briefcase with him for Tim Roth. And Jules is actually cocking a gun under the table. And when when he Samuel L. Jackson eventually he's like, okay, I will open it. He opens it for Tim Roth. Tim Roth looks in. He's like, wow, is that what I think it is? And then... Uh, Samuel Jackson pulls a gun on Tim Roth and now we get like a very standoff but Yolanda is going absolute fucking psycho right very good acting when is she not but yeah but well, when she's calm she's a very good table. actor she's always good acting I, that's, that's not what I meant by when is she not <laughs> when is she not in this movie displaying some form of psycho tendency oh. well Okay, well, I don't know, probably for a couple of lines. Uh, but yeah, she's she's scared. It's very much like a Mexican standoff. You know, like how Reservoir Dogs ends. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of undeniable. I hope there are more Quentin Tarantino movies that also end in a Mexican standoff. Can you guys confirm this to me? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Can't, well, not, uh, a standoff's the wrong word. The, the ones I'm thinking of. Gunfight. Is a better word. Yeah. Okay, well, this isn't this isn't the moment to a gunfight. Instead, um, we know we kind of actually know that certain people aren't going to die because Vincent shows up again and now pulls another gun on I think Yolanda, but Chandler Jackson's like, "Don't shoot." But we know Vincent doesn't die here because we know Bruce Willis kills him, which we saw earlier, but which happens to him later. Non-linear storytelling. Um, there's a really unconvincing "I love you" from Tim Roth. He's like, tell you. her. He's like, was he's like, tell her, tell her you love her. And he's like, oh, I love you. It's like very unconventional. Really, yeah. It's extremely it's... tense. And what I, I think love... it's, it's not the same when it's under duress. No, it loses <laughs> the magic. Now, uh... This is the only way I, I actually can say I love you. It's under extreme duress. <laughs> under extreme pain. I love you! Ah! So basically what you're saying is if, if you get married and you, want, and you want one of us to be best man, what you do is you have I'm someone... In the, as, you, the, the best man is actually... 
No, the best man is just actually up in the uh, the rafters uh, of wherever you're getting married with a sniper rifle aimed at your head <laughs> because only under those circumstances are you I've able got, to say I love I've you. I've got Google glasses on that are feeding me the scope from his sniper rifle so I can see the lines on my head. Um, <laughs> you just get the, like, the, like the dot on his forehead. He's just, no, 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 you put the dot on her forehead. <laughs> then, the, then the church goes over a bump and my head explodes. Church? Church? I'm sorry. You mean then the synagogue goes over you a bump. You traitor to your own faith. <laughs> then the synagogue goes over the bump. <laughs> Oh, it's not, you're not going to need me to put a gun to your head at this point. <laughs> it's your rabbi. Your rabbi finds out you're getting married in a church and he comes <laughs> on with a rifle instead. Um, so Samuel Joseph's wallet on it says uh, bad motherfucker, which is great. But what's, I love this. Tim Roth, basically, he basically pays Tim Roth $1,500 so that Tim Roth doesn't have to like feel like he has to kill Samuel Jackson. Basically, t- reinterpreting that Bible pal- passage in a way that I don't, I can't remember it, but it's reinterpreting it in a way that means, you know, Samuel Jackson showing mercy is the better way. And I love that. I thought it was great. And it's such a good amount of character development for Jules as a character. Oh, absolutely. Throughout- he's- and he's not on screen for very much, actually. No, it, it, that's, what, that's what this film does very well, is it shows, like, ultimately, the, the character development is quite. It's somewhat predictable, and it's like as as nature of the style. But it it ultimately all the characters have quite a considerable amount of character development within very small screen time for each each of them. Yeah, I agree. With that I thought this scene was excellent, um, and indeed Tim Roth leaves with the money. Uh, Yolanda, they go, they accept it. Jules and Vince walk out of the diner, shoving their guns into their pants, which I have again. Seen in other things. I've seen other things. Uh, as well that's before, not a movie which... trope. That's just the thing that you do if you don't have a holster. Oh, okay. Well, I've I felt <laughs> like a reference. Um, no, I wouldn't that's... know, Jack. I don't own any guns. Me neither. No. I wouldn't know, Jack. I Jack? don't own any pants. <laughs> I wouldn't know, Jack. I'm a nudist. <laughs> I wouldn't know because I don't like guns. <laughs> um. So this is the end of the movie. Uh, they walk no, out. No, it's not. Freeze frame. What? It's not. It's not. Isn't it? No. Go on. Bruce Willis on his bike. No. It's on Zed's bike. Is no. The movie. No. Wait, okay, we haven't mentioned it. Yes we, yes, we have. You didn't mention it. Yeah, we did. We said that he ride, he rides off on the chopper. Zed is yeah, dead. You, did, you, didn't, you didn't do the, the reuniting with um, his girlfriend bit. Yeah, we did. We yeah, did we cover it briefly. We did. We, yeah. we did cover it very briefly. Yeah, I think we did. I blame the alcohol, but I wanted to hear Finn's impression of the line. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Zed's dead, babe. <laughs> Zed's dead, babe. <laughs> Zed's dead, babe. <laughs> 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 hey, babe. Guess what? Zed's dead. Zed's dead. Zed's dead. I mean, he's. I think he's. I think he's. He's. He's underestimating quite how, how, how long they can drag out Zed's torture. That's very true. Although, is it? You know, is Zed the one who got killed though? Because no, like, Zed's the, he's the one that gets tortured. Say, he's the one that. He's the one that gets shot in the, in the in the nuts and gets tortured afterwards off screen. Oh dear, that's yeah. 
So he might not be dead at this point. I don't think he's dead he's at this po- point. He's not dead at this point. <laughs> I think chronologically but the last thing well that be. happens is that Zed dies in the storyline. Yes. Chronologically the last thing that happens <laughs> is that the universe collapses back into a singularity. <laughs> so predictable. <laughs> it's the end of all movies, yeah. technically. I know, except 2001 A Space Odyssey. Oh, I don't know about the end of that. Don't spoil the ending of that movie. <laughs> I should watch Goodbye, that Goodbye, Dave. <laughs> no. So, that is, that is the cut, and it cuts to credits, and that's it. We're going. And I I thought it was... I liked Reservoir Dogs more, I will actually say that, but I enjoyed especially... I didn't love the Marcellus' wife storyline with Mia that much. I think it is the weakest one. But really? I no. felt it was the weakest one because I you loved... You said she was your... You thought she, she was, was my the favorite best character. character. She's my favourite character. But the actual... I loved the Bruce Willis saving her, saving him and the bit, you know, before what happens. Um, I really found the comedy in um, the, the Marvin problem bit so funny that for me... It was. I mean, it was still great. I enjoyed all the movie. That's just, yeah, that's just my two cents. I thought I would have some controversial opinions. I mean, I can recommend you a bunch of other movies that involve people's heads exploding, but I'm not entirely sure if they'd be quite. So Drive. Funny. It wasn't because the head exploded. <laughs> Drive. <laughs> no, that's not an explosion. That's more of an implosion and a gradual spreading out across the floor. No, there's also there's no there's also the other woman. Like, oh yes, that is that is a slow motion, very gratuitous head explosion. Kingsman also has Samuel L. Jackson in it, but he's also making people's heads explode. Explode. I, I mean, the, the, Kings, the Kingsman head explosion is definitely comic. There you oh. go. We found we found another movie which has comic head explosions and Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> it was Samuel L. Jackson, Jack. I know. I shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, this movie cost eight million dollars to make, and it grossed over two hundred million, and still continues to be one of the most influential movies yep. ever. That's pretty good. It's a long ass movie. It's two and a half hours. Oh yeah, it's um, really long. <laughs> so that's the only thing I felt. I, I felt the drag of the movie more in like the middle of it, just before it got to Bruce Willis's bit, than I did in any other bit. That was a note I've got here. Um, so, and the next one that we're watching is Jackie Brown, which none of us have seen. Finn, have you seen it? Nope. Okay, so none it. of us have seen that, which is not the point of this podcast, but we're still going to have to do it because we're doing it gonna in order. To, we're going to have to power through. It stars Pam Greer, but it's got Samuel Jackson, it's got Robert Forster, it's got Bridget Fonda, Michael Keaton, the vulture himself is in that. Of course, he's famous for other things, but it's the only thing I know. Robert De Niro, the guy from Joker, that's his f- most famous thing, of course. Uh... Samuel L. Jackson, only famous for Nick Fury and hasn't been in any other movies that I can think of. Um, <laughs> any of any other movies. He's not an actor. <laughs> no, he is. He is Nick Fury. <laughs> he's undercover. Yeah. He's trying to recruit Jackie Brown. He really, really needs someone to be the uh, <laughs> the air stewardess on, um, on a plane for the on Avengers. On the plane. Who would he recruit? Out of all the people... It, oh, it'd be Mr. Wolf, wouldn't it? If Nick Fury was recruiting from this movie. Yeah, I'd say he's probably the most actually, the most versatile. Or maybe maybe even... Um, the Gimp. But, but. <laughs> <laughs> the Gimp. The Hulk. The Iron Man. The Gimp. The Gimp. 
Hulk smash! Hulk guy, shoot some arrows! <laughs> yeah. He gets hit by an arrow. Yeah. The gimp suit is impenetrable. He just tries to hug Thanos, and Thanos is like so weirded out, he just leaves. The gimp, the gimp suit is impenetrable. That's the power. So he can't, he cannot be he killed. He can break bones, he's... though. No, well, yeah, no, no, <laughs> no, no. I think he can't get hurt, but he also is only as strong as and mobile as the gimp is. <laughs> so he's what, he he's can't tied be to killed a rail. or hurt. He's... <laughs> yeah, Thanos ties him to a rail. <laughs> and that's it. He's got all the Infinity Stones and the chain as, as the way of stopping. Um, I just love. I love the idea. <laughs> and he, I want to talk to you about the Avengers Initiative. As and, and the, and the gimps are still still hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> the gimp in the Avengers movies is now. I think that might be my favourite running gag. The Gimp would be the villain in the Vega Brothers. Um, oh, please. <laughs> um, that would be beautiful. Anyway, that was a diversion. We all love this movie, don't we? I think you guys probably like it more than me, but I enjoyed it. I would say it's I enjoyed it more than when I first saw it. You like Reservoir Dogs more, don't you, Fraser? Yeah, I do. I do. I still do as well. But that being said, though, the whole entire sequence with Uma Thurman is just... I, I love it. I love every minute of it. So, there's that. Yeah, I'm the weird one then, apparently. I'll <laughs> uh, just settle on this. <laughs> so, that was Pop Fiction. This is a very long podcast, and I hope you guys have enjoyed it. I thought this, this was a very fun time. Um, next time, it'll be Jackie Brown. Uh, any any final remarks, guys? Um, prior to editing, you could watch the entire movie and then still have time for snacks if you were listening to this podcast. You should probably just go watch the movie. <laughs> I, I do think that Tarantino's artistry is far greater than our ability to explain it purely in the form of a podcast. I would... I think podcasting is the ultimate medium. <laughs> it's the ultimate transfer of information. I wasn't joking. I mean, it's it's pretty good. It's um, audio. It depends and it's how you learn, though. And this is where we get to our sponsor, um, Skillshare. And, uh, Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Today we're sponsored by the Gimp. <laughs> by the Lethargy. Rage uh, Shadow <laughs> <laughs> Hey, okay, guys. And so you know, you're talking about the Gimp. What if you want to make a website about the Gimp? Well, I use Squarespace. <laughs> Oh yeah, Finn. I, I I brought up when you were away the time when we were in um, uh, Forbidden Planet in Manchester, and you found the action figure of the Gimp. Oh fiction. my god, the action figure of the Gimp! <laughs> yeah. It's the greatest artifact of all. It was so badly made. It, look, it cost about three pence to manufacture in China. Just to flood Finn's house with Gimp action figures. <laughs> Gimp. Um, you know, you've got my my Twitter's at Dalek Platypus and Finn's is at Finnell Mason. So you can find us and try to get in contact if someone wants to <laughs> generously attempt to and you can hunt us down. Flood Finn's home with Gimp-related paraphernalia. Like the water in my kitchen. I don't, if you ask people on the internet to send you gimp-related paraphernalia, they're not going to be sending you Pulp Fiction action figures. I'm pretty sure I know what they're going to be sending you. Not sending it to me, sending it to Finn, so I don't care. It's only Finn. his life that's going to become Finn, problematic. if you don't want anything that they send to you, you can just pass it my way. Wait, what? 
Nothing. <laughs> right. Okay, you can't really go on from that. Right. Well, I've just given the Twitter handles, but I'll give them again. I'm at Dalek Platypus on Twitter. Finn's at Finnell Mason. I am. I am at the Crazy Canadian seventy three. And Jackson have Twitter. He has Tumblr, but he prefers for you to communicate through smoke signals and drunkenness, as he is doing right now. Thank you very much for listening. Stay safe. Stay inside while lockdown's on. And, you know, just keep keep going. Thank you very much for listening, guys. Um, goodbye. Bye. Bye. Oh, goodbye. Bye.